Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. A promotion is an exciting thing. You assume more responsibilities, step up to the next rung in your career, and you feel a heightened sense of achievement and, well, let's say, hopefully make more money. But actually getting promoted takes more than a job well done. Even if you're a high performer who takes initiative and surpasses your goals, you often still have to convince your manager that you deserve to level up. Over the course of her career in academia, today's guest, Dr. Ruchi Sinha, has taught many students how to effectively navigate their promotion, and she's here to share her strategies to help you do the same. And now, this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hi, Dr. Sinha. Welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here. So can you briefly introduce yourself and what you've learned about getting a promotion at work? Because I assume it's not as simple as just saying, hey, boss, I'm ready for more responsibility and a better job title. (laughs) Yep. It's a little bit more than that. Well, I'm an organizational psychologist and that's what my PhD was in. And I'm currently working as an associate professor at the University of South Australia in the business school. And that's in the city of Adelaide. And I research and teach negotiation skills and leadership to primarily MBAs and executive leaders. And in terms of my research, I have spent the last 12 years exploring the interpersonal dynamics that happen at work, particularly between leaders and employees, as well as the dynamics within teams and how that predicts performance and satisfaction. Now to the second part of your question, which is about Is it enough to just let your boss know that you're ready? I think it's different from promoting yourself. And in order to really understand that difference, I want to take this moment to just remind people where the word promotion comes from. And the the root of that word actually comes from pro, which is forward, and move, which is to move. So to get a promotion is to move forward and moving forward requires some energy and some push and some act of advancement. And I think it, therefore it is a lot more than just saying you want to move forward, but you got to take some of those steps. Yeah, I will be honest. I think the first promotion I got at work was purely because someone above me was leaving and I don't know if I, I just didn't have to work hard that hard at getting the promotion. I felt like I was very much the right 
person at the right place at the right time. So how often are people having to, you know, advocate for a promotion, do you think, versus just sort of being asked or given the opportunity for it? Yeah, I think a lot of promotion systems are passive like that. So a vacancy opens up when someone leaves or someone retires or or there's a change in structure. And then there's the scrambling in the organization. Do we look for an internal candidate? Do we advertise this position? And, And I think at that time, a lot of the decisions are ad hoc, like a lot of selection decisions are. It's only when people, even within organizations, there could be a pressure like time pressure or a labor market shortage, and people make decisions about promotions in a far more ad hoc way. And if you wait for something like that to happen, you, you're basically waiting to either get lucky or unlucky. Yeah. You know? and, and yes, it, it could serve you if you got lucky, but that doesn't mean it's a predictable way forward. Yeah. It also doesn't really teach you how to get a promotion if you're just sort of like me, you, you got it because you were there. Okay. So before we discuss your strategies for successfully getting a promotion, let's start with some of the big don'ts or the mistakes that you see people commonly make around the topic of promotion. I I think one of the biggest mistakes is an assumption people have about meritocracy. And, and the assumption typically is like, if I do a good job and my um, I, and my organization will notice it and that my knowledge and skills will be obvious to people around me. And, and therefore, and the system will always value that knowledge and skill, which is obvious. I think that's a huge mistake and an assumption. One, we know from a lot of research that this idea of meritocracy has very little validity. It's a really nice term to, to use and claim but we know human decisions are full of biases. They are full of ad hoc factors that affect them. So to believe that other people will make sound, rational decisions based on obvious exposure to your skills is a huge assumption and a mistake. And I can build off that, but I think that kind of underlies the biggest mistake I've seen people make. Yeah, I would. I remember when I was writing my book, I forget who coined it, but there was this term called the tiara syndrome where Mm -hmm. and this happens to women, especially where they think someone's going to recognize they assume to your point, they assume someone will recognize their hard work and come put the tiara or the promotion or whatever on them. And are women at a greater disadvantage when it comes to promotions? Yes, I would say they are, because one of those biases that affect decision making are stereotypes. So we know that women, apart from working on assigned projects and what is the core job that you're doing, do a lot of invisible work. And the whole thing about invisible work is it's not visible, which means it's essential, it's crucial for maintaining of the teams that they are leading or even the culture of the organization. But it's often uh, rewarded by well done and a pat on the back because it is not necessarily metricized and it's not necessarily exposed and obvious to the decision makers. So to that extent, we have research that supports that women engage in more of this invisible work. And so therefore that's a disadvantage. So when it comes time to get the tiara or the promotion, where's the record of it? And how do you show its effect on metrics? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good reminder for us all and anyone who's listening to this, uh, I guess like a, an assignment for ourselves today is to, to consider 
you know, the invisible work that you do. How, how long does it take the average person that you've worked with, uh, to actually secure a promotion? So I know you've worked with a lot of students and a lot of people will work with you through the whole process from day one of, okay, I've got my eye on the prize to when they actually get it. What are we talking about? So I have to qualify that processes and promotion systems are very different across industries. And I work at, uh, as an academic in the university sector, and they have very formal laid out processes. And you have eligibility criteria where you can't even think of applying a promotion until you have a certain years of experience and, and so forth. Now, in the public and corporate sector, private and public, it also differs. So keep that in mind. But mm. in general, if I had to come up with an estimate, I would say a year to two years is what you're looking at. In terms of you could get lucky where something opens up and you get accelerated into that position. But then again, that's not your doing. It's your luck and circumstances. So and I say a year to two is assuming you have a you're a new member. It might take longer to have that record. But if you've been working in a particular organization and you're now thinking you're ready for the next step, I would still take a year to two before you need to start getting your feet wet and letting others know. Wow, that's good to know. I, it's interesting because uh, a hot topic is all about job hopping is like the new way to get a promotion quickly. And I think part of why is because if it, if you have this option, well, I think it's promotion slash pay raise to be honest, but job hopping can take, you know, however long it takes you to find a new job. Let's just say on the average, it takes six months. You're spending all your time doing it versus your other option is stay within your company and spend two years. Yeah. One sounds and looks a lot better, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's important to understand when we are hopping jobs, we take almost all those steps that I would advise people to take to get internal promotions. We promote ourselves. We write narratives about who we are. We collect testimonials and document our achievements. And we present ourselves to others. However, it's almost like when you're working within an organization, you take yourself for granted and others take you for granted. And you forget that that act of interviewing is something you have to continuously do within your organization as well. Yeah, that's a good reminder. I mean, certainly you get comfortable and you and you almost think of it as this nice thing that you don't have to interview anymore. But it's like the reality is you're sort of in a weird way, always interviewing. Hi, everyone. It's Aaliyah popping in really quick to talk to you all about one of our super cool sponsors, Sabio. Are you feeling stuck at your current job or like it's too big of a risk to make a change? So many of us have felt this way, and that's why I want to tell you about Sabio. So what is Sabio exactly? Sabio is a female-owned and operated coding bootcamp and developer community. At Sabio, you'll learn to code and gain real-life experience. And on top of that, finding a job is built into the program at Sabio. And I think if you've ever job searched, I'm sure you can appreciate how amazing that is. It can feel so difficult to find that first job when you're transitioning jobs or are new to an industry, but Sabio is going to help you. No need to feel intimidated by starting a job search in a totally new field. In just 17 weeks of remote learning, you'll graduate from Sabio ready to start a real high-paying tech job. That's probably why they've been voted Best Coding Bootcamp by Course Report five years in a row. Sabio has alumni working at notable companies like Amazon, Microsoft, 
Google, and more. And there are so many types of tech jobs that you can actually go into, like UX designer, marketing specialist, even social media tech jobs. Plus, Sabio is extremely affordable, and they even offer a woman in tech scholarship with $5,500 off the total cost of tuition. There are so many opportunities for women in tech, and this is the perfect time to break into the industry with Sabio. Visit our special URL, sabio.la/contessa to learn how you can qualify for a $5,500 women in tech scholarship. That's sabio.la/contessa. Don't wait, go to sabio.la/contessa today to learn more. All right, let's get back to the show. So where should a person start with their promotion conversation? So, you know, let's pretend the person's like, okay, I've got the two years. I'm into this, but where do I start? I think you start with gaining some knowledge about if you're working in an organization, what are the formal systems and what are the informal systems? So a couple of things you can do is look at how have roles been filled in the past, both in the recent past and a little bit earlier What has been the process? Who are the decision makers? Who are the people who say matters? And what is the general sort of promoted promotion criteria? Like what are the qualities that are on your posters and the values and the the performance metrics that people use? And by collecting this kind of information, taking time to do that, you're getting a sense of what your system values and how it goes about it. Now, Past does not predict future perfectly. So you might be then prepared to be like, okay, what are some of the changes that have happened in the labor market? How are other organizations selecting people in the role that I want to get into? So doing a little bit of internal and external research on what's happening and what has happened is critical. And then it's about sensitively sort of priming the person who's going to be your sponsor, maybe your immediate supervisor. A lot of times the person you're reporting to may not be the only decision maker, but the person you're reporting to is your biggest sort of person who makes your case upwards. So they have the most influence to take your name up and make a case for you. And they need to be aware of your achievements and capabilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should you, for your timing of this stuff, should you wait until you've achieved, you know, that major goal or you just got, you know, a lot of praise in the team meeting or like you were saying, priming the pump a little, like, do you wait until you have this, like, I don't know, conversation starter to go in with your boss or your sponsor? Once again, it depends on how long you've been working with someone in and how long you've been part of an organization. I, I think If you are a new employee and you walk into an organization and two weeks later, you start priming them about your Mm. next promotion, that would be a little premature. But if that was something that was promised at the time of the interview, that you'll get an early review for a promotion that you were very close to begin with, then that's all right. So one will have to situate that advice on some of those factors. But in general, I don't, I think the mistake people make is they keep waiting because they believe one particular success is going to make them eligible. But mm. that's never the case. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And success in on a project or, with, or off your team is so determined by multiple factors outside your control. So a conversation starter 
with your immediate boss or the person you report to is more about these are my aspirations in the coming year. This is where I would see myself. Help me understand what I can do and help me understand what you would like to see in terms of my achievement. And the reason why that approach works better is because opportunities, again, you might be lucky they fall in your lap, but they don't just randomly come to you. You have to go around seeking them. And if the person doesn't know that you have aspirations, they might not actually be assigning you those opportunities. So waiting is not going to help success come your way. Yeah. I have have a friend who she's a big time role at a company and she manages people. And during performance reviews, this guy came to her and he said, you know, I have aspirations or I want to talk about my uh, something about like getting to a senior manager role at, or at least the salary equivalent to. And I really liked this because if you're asking for a raise without the promotion, there's sort of that weird way of navigating that. And then there was also, I thought it was just like nice wording for, to your point, these are my aspirations being specific and it told her a lot, right? Like he didn't say very much, but he told her a lot. So that was interesting. What's, what is some of the other important prep work that you would recommend a person do? I know you said talking about finding a sponsor, which people really struggle with that because they're like, how do I find a sponsor in an organization? You know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So there is the difference between a mentor and a sponsor and a coach. And people often mistake these three things. So a lot of people understand mentors and mentors are people who are within the organization you work for and help you navigate the politics, the obstacles. They tell you about the culture, the people and skill development for your role. A sponsor, a mentor could be a sponsor, but a mentor may not be a sponsor because a mentor would have to be in a position of influence to be a sponsor. Now you can have really good mentors who are not in that position. So when I say find a sponsor, what I'm saying is someone who makes your case upwards and and therefore someone who is well connected with people in the network and is respected and is admired in your organization. So where does influence of your sponsor come from when their word is admired and respected? And one of their words could be about your potential, okay? So, and and so you don't actually walk up to someone and say, I want you to be my sponsor. To find, you can walk up to people and ask them to be your mentor. They might agree or disagree, but you almost never would say that for a sponsor. A sponsor emerges from the relationship you build by exposing your own achievements to a person who then, whether you know it or not, starts talking more about your potential in the future. But you can't even get a sponsor, whether it's unconsciously or consciously, if you don't actually start interacting and exposing yourself to people and organizations at different levels. Mm -hmm. What about in this new virtual world that we're in? Any tips on how to, I mean, when I think of when when you just said interaction, I'm like, well, I think of this thing that happens before meetings, during meetings, that kind of thing. But now we're in, a lot of us are virtual. How do you, how do you do that from afar? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think if you're brand new in an organization, it's tougher. If you work there and now gone virtual, you still have that fast connections, but it's also about speaking up in meetings In virtual meetings, potential sponsors are there, potential people of influence who are admired and respected 
are going to turn up in some meeting or the other. And in those meetings, they will you will leave a mark on them because you either care about the work you do, you're good at what you do, and you take the time to speak up and give suggestions mm-hmm. in a non-narcissistic, self-obsessed way. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm saying that because a lot of time people think it's about hogging the limelight or taking more time on a meeting, but it's not. It's about the quality of your contribution. And, and I think you have to let others come to you and recognize you. And this is why patience and time makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, you can't be, hey, I met you in this other meeting. Would you like to be my sponsor? That's not going to work. But over a period of time, even virtual meetings, but then you have to make that extra effort where you'll be like, is there a chance for us to catch up on a one-on-one? Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. it's virtual or would you, if you're visiting in this area, would you mind catching up for coffee? Yeah, that's that's good tips. So before I have you share your strategies for presenting your promotion case, I'm just going to summarize some of the prep work that you had mentioned, which is planting the seed. So having that initial conversation about your aspirations, finding a sponsor, document your achievements. So, you know, obviously you want to be able to recall all the amazing things you've done, which one of your recommendations is to keep a brag folder on your desktop, which I love. I think everyone should do that. And then you also said identify projects that demonstrate your soft skills, such as drive, leadership, strategic networking, emotional intelligence, communication, and then also ask for 360 degree feedback. Did I leave anything off of the prep work list? <laughs> no, I think that's that's a lot of work already. <laughs> yeah, no wonder this takes one to two years. And I'm, I'm really excited to see that you had in here demonstrate soft skills. Hopefully those are equally important to the decision makers. I find we were just talking about them today in a webinar and it's like, we should stop calling them soft skills. We should call them essential skills, human skills. Yeah, I know you're nodding your head. It's like, but that's another conversation for another day. But just for people who are thinking about, okay, what are the things I need to do? That's kind of the quick checklist. Now let's talk about you're ready to present your persuasive case. So your kind of step one in uh, that is to avoid a self-serving narrative. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I think people oftentimes, um, when they look for promotions, what they're looking for is what do I want, right? Like, and that's not a bad thing. You should know what you want. Well, you want to be in a place where you can have more skill, variety of different things you do. You want to gain status. You want to advance and get to a higher rank or position and you want a higher salary. That's all fair and done but you are also working within a system that also wants to achieve certain goals and has certain interests. And oftentimes people forget how your knowledge, skills, and advancement is going to actually advance the other party's interests. You know, So when I say a persuasive case is showing how your advancement helps the company reach its larger goals. And in order to do that, you have to have a very good understanding of how your role fits into the larger goals. Mm -hmm. And then using that as part of your case is essential. Yeah. Yeah. So have a very clear understanding of what are the organization's goals (laughs) and your boss's goals. And I would 
you know, you mentioned that invisible work. When you think about their goals, I would tie a lot of it to, I was going to say revenue, but it's not always revenue. Like when I was a recruiter, we weren't necessarily creating revenue, but it was about like hiring people, you know? So think about what their success is tied to, right? Yeah, it could be about hiring people. It's about the way you develop the culture of the organization. It's about how you're good at solving problems and that you're adaptive as the company's economic, you know, upturns and downturns changes, that you have that ability to deliver results in a changing environment. So there are, there are lots of company goals and companies' goals don't remain static, which is what people forget. Mm-hmm. that you have to be able to continuously have an understanding of where your firm wants to go and how it's linked to the market. Mm-hmm. And, and because only then can you make a case. And that's why it's easier for people to jump and hop ship and get promoted because when they do that, they actually start studying the company, you know, what's been happening, the policies, you know, when you're interviewing for a new job, you do a, whole lot of research about that company's strategy and five-year plan. But when you're working for your own company, you forget you have a five-year plan too, you know? Yeah. You know, there's that saying, like, always be closing. It will be now our whole thing is always be interviewing, like at your company, thinking about it like that. Okay. So step two was advocate, don't self-promote. So let's talk about that one. I think there's a, there's a thin line between, I often say, shameless self-promotion and advocating your track record. And so, like I said, it's, it's if you start conversations by saying, I'm ready, here's my track record, and I deserve this, versus making an argument where you're saying, this is where I want to go. This is how I believe my personal advancement is going to be linked to the team. And I am advocating for a position, you're not necessarily demanding and and saying this is my personal sense. And you can do this in many ways. You You can provide examples. You can give examples of what you would do if you were promoted, Mm -hmm. right? So promotion, self-promotion is about what I've done. Advocating for yourself is about also your future vision of what you will do. You know, so there is a, there is a difference in that. Yeah. I love that. The last and final step, step three, is keep a succession roadmap ready. So that is all about how you're going to backfill your position, how it's going to look, how you're going to move from one role to the next role, right? And like basically doing the the thinking for your boss. Absolutely. And this is where you create promotion opportunities, even when vacancies may or may not be obvious. Because remember, you also, uh, and this is a little bit, for more advanced people who've spent a lot of time in organizations, I would say you also have to plan upward mobility. Like if you want to take someone's position, you also are to facilitate that other person, your own boss, to be moving forward. And that anyway is what your role should be with the boss, is you are in a reciprocal relationship where you are helping each other grow. But that's a Tougher upward influence, but what about those you're mentoring? So one of the things that companies are always going to be worried about is if you move on, who's going to look after your role and what's going to happen? So when you make a case and you have that person mentored, coached, ready, even given interim positions and time to do your role, 
the person in front of you is going to be more convinced so that you go from that road to move up. Yeah. I mean, and you're making it easy for them to say yes, right? <laughs> so right. that wasn't on your list, but I'm sure it's part of the list is make it easy for them to say yes as well. Dr. Sinha, these are amazing tips about how to get a promotion. I think that it's, it's sometimes can feel really overwhelming when you think about a promotion. And I feel like you've really have narrowed it into kind of a checklist of things to do and given people a lot to think about. So appreciate you sharing these tips today. Where can people follow up with you, stay in touch if they want, they want to know more about your work. I mean, you study this stuff, so you, you are a go-to person. So I have to say the way I approach this is from a lens of a negotiation. So for those of you who are interested, you can add me on LinkedIn. I do have a website. As an academic, I'm not good at updating it enough. So I think a LinkedIn is a better way to stay connected. I do write a blog and 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 in fact, HBR picked up this, this piece from a blog I wrote. But I would say if you are listening and you're thinking about this, Think about a lot of these conversations as negotiations. And like you said, to get the other person to say yes, you really have to understand each other's interests yeah. and have to pitch. Yeah. So yeah, if you take that angle rather than deserving, like I deserve this, it's something you negotiate. Yeah, which is a good, you know, uh, these are always those tough conversations at work, but I hate to tell everyone, these are the conversations you have to have at work and you have to learn how to have them. And they are always the upward mobility. Like they're just sort of that natural part and they get less uncomfortable the more you do them. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Career Contested Podcast. Please remember to rate and review our show. It helps us so much. And I know I've mentioned this before, but all your reviews and ratings really are helping because more and more people are listening to the show, which we really, really greatly appreciate. And if you want to learn more about becoming a great manager, check out our online course, The New Manager Manual. In it, we'll teach you how to build a leadership foundation in your first 90 days to have an engaged team long-term. The link for that is in the show notes. And then lastly, you can connect with Dr. Sinha via LinkedIn. We made sure to put a link to her profile also in the show notes. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.